Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it's Anthony from Maze and Brew. Really quickly here before you get into our latest episode, stop what you're doing and make sure you're subscribed to Maze and Brew Podcast and please leave us a five-star review. Here's what's going to happen. If you do this, you're going to get all of our shows sent right to your phone and in your pocket first before anyone else, before it goes up on the website, anything. Maze and Brew is going to deliver you five podcasts a week, Monday through Friday, plus a post-game show after football and basketball games. So for your quickest analysis and instant Michigan-centric content, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Leave us a review, and hey, tell your friends to stop by and subscribe too. No one else is doing this right now. We're excited to roll this out. So that's it. Let's get on to the show. Welcome in to Brewcast from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. We're here with you on Monday nights into Tuesday, and we are going to have some fun. I'm Luke Garrity, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. And guys, it's finally game week, man. We've made it through the dark ages, through the boredom. I, well, outside of Chris. Chris is a big <laughs> baseball guy, but but for maybe me and Anthony, we've made it through the dark ages and into game week finally. This- How you guys doing? This is a reprieve for what Chris has been going through. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is their <laughs> somehow Michigan football and the sometimes looming sense of disappointment is a reprieve from what Chris, I won't say does full time, but uh, what much of your content is. Uh, no, absolutely. So yeah, we're glad, it, to, pro- it, we're glad to provide Michigan, that release for you. At least Michigan football is relevant enough to be disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, 
Yeah, it's good to be back, though. Uh, we haven't done a show in a while by design. Uh, some of you guys know I'm here full time now. We were kind of taking a step back, uh, doing the podcast schedule thing. Uh, the girls uh, went on Monday, did a nice job uh, uh, with views from Stadium Boulevard. We'll be here on Tuesdays like we pretty much have been. And we'll be sticking to that. I know we bounced around at times, but um, five shows a week plus the postgame show. Uh, we're excited to be here. So thanks for thanks for hopping in. Thanks for joining us. And we're. We're ready to get into it because I think uh, it's time to have a little heart to heart that has been a, an off season long storyline for us that's been building. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I mean, it's it took me uh, a minute for it to really hit me that this is game week, but I was talking to my dad tonight and it kind of finally hit me that yeah, there is uh there is going to be a Michigan football game this uh this weekend. So I'm uh yeah, I'm amped for it. Um, you know, how can you not be? I mean, this is, uh, the weather, you know, even if you're somebody like me who is a diehard baseball fan, uh, you can't deny that we are coming up on the, probably the best time of the year to be a sports fan. And, uh, I, I can't wait. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about this stuff. So just as a, a little note moving forward for this show, uh, as Anthony alluded to, five shows. So the show is going to be a little quicker, a little more rapid. And I believe, Anthony, correct me if I'm wrong, we're going to be more of a reactionary podcast, kind of looking back on the on the game that happened the week prior. Yeah, I think more often than not, that's that's going to sort of be the case. Uh, and now in the case of you know the big game weeks, we're talking you know Michigan State, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to discuss that. Um, but I think kind of where we fit in this this schedule that we've done out here. So just to go through it quick, uh, views from Stadia Boulevard, the girls kind of will recap the weekend that was in college football, Michigan football on Monday. We will kind of come back with um, maybe putting a little bow on uh, a bow, Michigan, no pun intended, uh, sort of a bow on the weekend for Michigan, what we saw uh, some of our takeaways, and then Wednesday we'll have the recruiting podcast with Vaughn and uh, and John Simmons. Thursday, out of the blue, uh, with Andy and Jared. Those guys will still kind of uh, that'll be more of maybe your game preview type of stuff. And then Friday will be the sit down conversation with me, the closing time show. Uh, that will just be the interview podcast, and then uh, kind of will be a rotating cast on Saturdays for the post game pod. It could be me and Trevor up in the press box. It might be Jared and Andy. It could be a combination of any of the four of us. Uh, we're not really sure. Still working on the logistics of that, but you will have a podcast um, after all football games. And right now I'm looking at doing maybe all basketball games, but definitely the big basketball games. So uh, excited about that. Again, you heard the message that I pasted in uh, before the show. Like, subscribe, spread the word however you can, and, and give us feedback. Like We're going to try to get better. If there's something that you're not receptive to and you don't like, we'll change it. So that's kind of where we're at. Well, I think this one is going to be a bit of a state of the program because we are entering, you know, Jim Harbaugh's fifth year. And uh, the program to this point has been much improved compared to the Rich Rod and Brady Hoke years. I don't think there's anyone that's going to argue that, or at least I hope not because, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. But at the same time, uh, the tenure has, at times, left a little something to be desired. Hasn't won yet against Ohio State, as we all know, and we all know he hasn't been in Indianapolis yet. So, you know, what were kind of your thoughts coming after last season and heading into this offseason? What were some things that you guys thought needed 
to change so that Jim Harbaugh can have that success and get that proverbial monkey off his back. Yeah, we'll start with Chris because I think I might, as I tend to do, might be a little long-winded with my answer here. So we'll start with Chris. Oh, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, of the, I, I, we all have a tendency to rant a bit. But yeah, I would consider myself the resident gas bag of the show. So okay, and plus I'm a gentleman. Well, I mean, so. okay. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I mean, look, the obvious, uh, the glaring issue was uh, was the offense, and I not so much the. Or, or kind of the the way the offense was run, uh, which was extremely conservative, and is uh, has is something that has cost them um, in in games in November, especially over the last several seasons and in bowl games. Uh, this is not a team that has been built to play from behind with the kind of offense that they have, uh, and they've gotten by with that because of how strong the defenses have been the first couple of years here. But as uh, those weaknesses were shown. Uh, you know, in the especially in the last two games of last year, and in in the Notre Dame game as well at the beginning of the year, um, I think the the hiring of Josh Gaddis shows that Michigan ha- is acknowledging that flaw, uh, which is obviously kind of the first step you need to admit when you when when you have an issue, and they did, um, and a lot of people are extremely excited about having Josh Gaddis as as the play caller on offense. Uh, I I'm I consider myself one of those people. But uh, there are still question marks there. Uh, this is a guy who hasn't called a play before. Uh, and he's got a great pedigree, comes from Alabama, which is a juggernaut and is uh, an offense that has, you know, at one point was probably a bit more conservative than people remember, has grown into uh, an offensive juggernaut with, with Tua there. And even when Jay, uh, Jared Hurt, or Jalen Hurts was there. Um, yeah, so and this is a step in the right direction. Uh, defensively, obviously, they fell apart near the end of last year, but I don't really think there's anybody who has that much of a concern uh, for the defense. Don Brown has shown an ability to adjust year in and year out as a defensive coordinator. Um, and I think mi- one of the big reasons why Michigan saw uh, you know, a, a reason to open up the offense a bit was the fact that I think this is the first time that Harbaugh, it is the first time he's had a quarterback for more than one year. Uh, and it's, I think the first time he has a quarterback that he genuinely trusts in Shea Patterson. It's the first time he has a quarterback who's a legitimate playmaker, not just a game manager. Uh, and they've, they've addressed that and we're going to see how good the offense is going to be, how much different it's going to be. But that was the biggest concern it was really the biggest concern coming into last year and especially at the at the end of last season as well it looks as though they've uh you know you could cross that off off the you know put that check mark in the box and uh it, Michigan's offense looks like it will be improved but we'll have to wait and see the season starts this weekend yeah i echo most of your sentiments on the offense so as to not like totally repeat myself i won't go too much into it uh, i'll say this i think coming out of last season I think I was pretty vocal about the fact that you had three NFL caliber wide receivers. You've had a couple of tight ends who were really athletic. And, you know, obviously Zach Gentry was an NFL tight end. Uh, I think that Nick Eubanks has a chance to be a guy that could be like a late round pick uh, in the NFL draft. Uh, The wide receivers speak for themselves. You have a quarterback who, you know, I mean, conservatively speaking, I think if he, you know, plays well, might be a day two NFL draft pick. So I think the most frustrating thing to me was, you know, first bad as the defense was at the, in those last two games. And, and don't get me wrong. They're going to get, you know, undressed a bit here in a second by me, but um, 
I think the most frustrating thing to me was that, you know, you had an offense with Shea Patterson, who's not like a true dual threat guy, but a guy who's mobile and, and really like arm talent wise can make all the throws. Decision making was pretty good last year. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where these takes about how he's overrated or uh, things like that come from. I, I Because Dylan McCaffrey played like, you know, 30 snaps total last year. People saw something different. I don't know. But I think the most frustrating thing was is that you had all of that talent, but you made no effort to get those guys to football. And and it was frustrating yeah. um, because even at some point you watched Alabama, you know, their metamorphosis into what they are, you know, this maybe their second wind under Nick Saban, so to speak, is you do see them go f- four or five wide. Now you see them, you know, the power run game is still there, but they utilize the talent that they have and they have legitimate playmaking quarterbacks now. And I think that not that Michigan is Alabama, but they had all of that. But they were still, you know, content. And to use the phrase I kept using last year, you know, they were happy with just hurling a deck chair at the line of scrimmage and, you know, pounding away, grinding away and trying to win, you know, win the time of possession, kill clock, things like that. That's not how you win championships uh, in today's college football. So to see them address that, and really, I think I wrote about this earlier in the offseason, to see Jim Harbaugh be willing to give up entire control. Like, I think that bit is dead. You know, Oh, Jim Harbaugh is still in control of the offense. That's dead. Like this is Josh Gaddis's offense Uh, to see him, give him the license to call his own plays, to see him um, really over the last two off seasons, really address some of the biggest flaws with the program and get better from there. Um, I I think it kind of sheds the label a little bit that Jim Harbaugh is a stubborn guy. Uh, he's certainly not as stubborn as at the very least, he's not as stubborn as um, his, his rival up the road, Mark D'Antonio, who their offense has been inept going on five years now. It's gotten worse every year. And all he did was, you know, switch his offensive uh, staff around. So uh, that was how I felt about the offense, the defense. Uh, I am more concerned about the defense this year or uh, coming out of last off season and really heading into this year uh, than I was than I thought maybe I would be if we were talking at the start of last year. Um, you know, this is Don Brown is not going to change. And he said that as much uh, earlier, in, you know, earlier in this fall camp. Now players have said the Michigan offense has helped them see some different things. They're seeing the crossing routes in practice. Now they're seeing some of the more explosive things. And, and they admitted, they felt like the fact that their offense wasn't doing that in practice last year, didn't have them as well prepared to do that. As they should have been late in the season, so that could play some dividends. But I mean, the the most frustrating thing about Michigan's defense and Don Brown is that when they've played teams with equal talent, they have gotten punched in the mouth often early. Uh, and he's you know credit to them at times they've made adjustments and kind of kept themselves in the game, but um, didn't happen in the Ohio State game, uh, and it certainly didn't happen in the bowl game. So um, in the last two off seasons, when you check all the boxes of on the offensive side of the ball, Tim Drevno is gone. Um, Pep Hamilton is gone. Ed Warner slides in uh, to coach the uh, coach the offensive line. Josh Gaddis is here. It kind of feels like heading into this season now, Don Brown is kind of the next guy on the, the quote-unquote hit list, so to speak. So uh, coming out of last offseason, obviously like the, the lack of the wins in the big games uh, consistently, especially against Ohio State, haven't still haven't won one under Jim Harbaugh. It's frustrating, uh, but I think when you look at all things considered, um, they they did a pretty good job addressing this offseason what a lot of their biggest needs were heading into uh, 2019. 
Um, a couple things with that before I get my thing out there, I guess my view out there is that I, I don't necessarily like there's been instances where, yeah, the Michigan defense has been punched in the mouth, but every time they've played a team with equal talent, I don't believe that to be the case. I think Penn state last year had equal talent. It was a preseason top five team. There's a ton of talent on that team. They knocked trace McSorley out of the game. Um, I, I, I have to, I don't think Penn state was equal talent. Oh, I do I, the, I the way that they recruited. I, I mean, if you go look at the recruiting rankings, I personally believe Penn state had a ton of talent last year to the last two years, the last two years prior to, you know, the last year's drubbing of Ohio state. I think Michigan's defense held their own, uh, especially in 2016, but to, even in 2017, uh, the late touchdown with Ohio state, like kind of made that score look worse than it was. And that was due to pretty much John O'Corn missing a wide open Chris Evans on a drive that sure. could have changed the the program's trajectory, to be quite honest with you. So I, I there are some concerns, but there's been a lot of time that I think Don Brown's proven to me that his defense is sustainable. I will say, though, I've been so lately, I don't know why, but I found a YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's like Wolverine Devotee or something like that. Uh, okay, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you guys know? Okay, yeah. All right. So yeah, he does. He, do, he compiles like all the highlights from some of the games in like twenty twenty five minutes. I've been watching a ton of those, uh, particularly. Is, I, I, is it Wolverine historian? Or it might be. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's yeah, it's, I, it's yeah. one of the one of the two, something like that. And then right. the, I, I've been watching a ton of the games, like especially from going back to twenty sixteen. And uh, the 2015-2016 years, what I've seen in the offense, like when Jed Fish was there in on staff, like the amount of deception that's used, the uh, the amount of getting the defense to go one way and them the offense going the other way, like that is really what's been lacking the last two years on the offensive side, I think. And I'm curious about what this new spread up-tempo offense is going to do in terms of that, you know, like like – I don't know. It, it was stagnant the last two years, and it was stale. And that's where I think it was. Hey, when the offense doesn't have the talent to push you around, they couldn't do anything because there was no deception at all. There was no right. movement, anything like that. So seeing what this offense does under Josh Gaddis, like that's going to be made a lot. I'm curious to see one how much it's truly going to change, and two, I just want to see some. You know, the up-tempo stuff's great, but I just want to see, you know, literally the defense going one way and Michigan being able to use that and go the other way. Like, I want the chess match to start being won by Michigan instead of, hey, we're going to line up and punch you in the mouth. We don't care if you know what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's a great point. 2015 and 2016, I mean, I think namely on plays where, like, Jake Butt was involved, oftentimes, you know, misdirection or something, like, for whatever reason, nobody ever was able to cover Jake Butt. He was always wide open. And I thought a lot of that had to do with the play designs and things like that. And it was kind of a more, definitely sort of more of a throwback to like the Stanford, like Harbaugh offense. And Jed Fish, like we saw how important he was when he would no longer was there. Uh, I think part of the stagnation in the last few years is that uh, one, you had extremely, extremely young and raw skill players. Donovan Peoples-Jones never had to run a route in high school. He was learning how to run routes uh, Tariq Black, Nico Collins were young. Um, and I think the Pep Hamilton um, sort of Jim Harbaugh offense terminology was like a little too complicated. And, and quite frankly, I think something that stands out to me, and and we talked to Michigan players earlier on Monday, uh, Nick Eubanks had made a comment like, 
this offense in a lot of ways is simpler for them because I think it legitimately is a matchup, get the, you know, take what the defense gives you, um, be a little more up-tempo and get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Uh, I think the playmaking ability that this team has on offense is, um, you know, top to bottom. I mean, I know we have questions to sort out at running back that a lot of the, the fans and media might have, but it's, it's a situation where, this might be the best like top to bottom group of skill position players that I've ever seen at Michigan. Um, and the fact that they're going to, it, it just kind of seems like they're boiling it down to, Hey, we have a lot of good players. Let's find a way to get them the football. And then when we're up in games, we can bam, go right back into the power run stuff and hammer away. Um, I think that's where the biggest difference is. And that's where I think where guys are most comfortable is that, that 12 word play call terminology uh, and I'm not there in the huddle or anything. I, I'm not sure what their terminology is like, but um, if you watch that all or nothing show from Amazon, where um, you're seeing, you know, kind of an inside look at that 2017 season, some of those play calls, like man, oh man, I know these are smart kids and, and they're um, football guys. And, and obviously the academics are high for the most part with them being at Michigan. But I don't, I know for a fact, there are probably some NFL teams that would hear that and go, what? So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's what sticks out to me is that this offense that they're going to run, it, it's they may not be Big Twelve, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, fifty points a game, you know, sixty yard, sixty passing attempts, things like that, but um, they're going to spread it out when they can if the defense allows for that. I, mean, I, I think there's a little more versatility here because because I think now if a defense zigs, you can come back and zag, uh, and that's. That's where I think the biggest difference is uh, in all this. And I, there's a lot of pressure off these guys because they know that they just have to worry about making plays. And I think that's the biggest thing, um, the biggest positive of this entire off offseason to me. Coming up on Brewcast, we're going to talk about how we're feeling after the offseason changes and what our expectations are for the 2019 season. So keep it here on Brewcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Back in on Brewcast, Luke Yardy, Anthony Broom, and Chris Castellani bringing you our show on Game Week. Here because Michigan taking on Middle Tennessee State to kick off the 2019 season. We were talking about our thoughts before the break coming into this offseason. So after hashing everything out, you know, talking about Josh Gaddis, what we see from the defense, like how are we feeling this week headed into the 2019 season? Uh, I'll, I'll go first again. Uh, I mean, cautiously optimistic, I, I think is 
the term to go to go with here, at least as far as my opinion goes. You know, this is even if you know hypothetically, even if they elected not to change anything about the offense at the end of last season, it would have been a major disappointment. But I would still have been excited for the just loaded roster that this team has as far as, as the skill positions are concerned. Uh, and Anthony brought it up and I think you're absolutely right. This is, it's been a really long time since Michigan's had this much talent at their skill positions. Obviously running back is a bit of a question mark. Um, but I would say as far as a wide receiver and group and a quarterback, uh, that's able to get them the ball this is the first time in a long time where I felt like this is going to be an offense that's going to score score a lot of points, and, and that I have that I'm comfortable believing can score a lot of points. Now I would say maybe, she, oy vey, I mean 2007 maybe when, when they had Henny and Manningham and Arrington and Mike Hart coming back was like probably the last time I felt like yeah this is this is an offense that could be maybe the best in the Big Ten. Now um, will it be? Time will tell. Obviously, and, and some a lot of that stuff is kind of subjective. You know this is. Uh, you know, one of the big stats last year was kind of the how many fewer passes Shea, pa- Shea Patterson threw compared to somebody like Dwayne Haskins. And while that stat was concerning, it was it was a little bit skewed because Michigan had a bunch of leads. You know, Michigan had quite a few games that were over after three quarters. Um, and but at the same time, I think we're going to see Michigan air it out more this year. I think there's more trust in Shea. Um, and defensively, I, I don't have really that many question marks. I, th- I think as bad as they've been uh, exposed at points, you know, in, in uh, a couple different games in November, especially against Ohio State, um, I think they'll, they'll be able to reload. I think this will be a very similar situation to two years ago when they lost Jabril and, and Jordan Lewis. They, they, they'll be back, and I think they'll have a top 10 off or defense in the country. Yeah, I have no doubts that the defense will probably be nationally ranked pretty high and close to a lead again. Uh, and I think the thing that maybe works most in their favor is that, yeah, the talent is still like all the guys that like they lose chase Winovich. You can plug Aiden Hutchinson in there who is, has a ton right. of hype right now. And a guy who I think really is going to take a big step forward. You lose uh Devin Bush. You've got speed all over the place. You've got uh, Jordan Anthony, Cameron McGrone, Josh Ross, Josh Uche on the, you know, he's going to play a little bit of Sam, a little bit on the edge. Like, they're going to move him all around the field. Uh, secondary, I know there's some questions at cornerback, but um, playmaking ability back there it, where uh, Brad Hawkins has really come on, has held off Dax Hill, who's going to have still, I think, a pretty decently sized role, uh, decent sized role in this defense. Josh Metellus, a guy as well as an all Big Ten type of performer. I don't question the talent there. And I think the biggest thing that they have going for them is that a lot of pressure is going to be off them because I think this offense is going to score some more points for them. Maybe not score, you know, 60, 70 points a game, but you know, there, there have been times in big games where Michigan's defense has just had to make a stop because the offense has not been able to get anything going. And I think that, you know, they don't necessarily, you know, you want them to be as elite as they possibly can, but they don't necessarily, I don't think they're necessarily going to have to be, if this offense does its job. So like I said, all, all things considered, I mean, coming after the off season's over, I sort of said it earlier, they've made all the changes, all the tweaks, all the adjustments that they can possibly make. Is it, is it going to mean more wins? I don't know. Are they finally going to beat Ohio state? I don't know, but you can't fault the guy 
the guy being Jim Harbaugh for he is these last two, three, two or three years, really, they, they've had a considerable amount of attrition on the roster. They've had to make some different assistant coaching hires here and there. I think they're as best set up as they've been to maybe do something here in a while. Now, last year we felt like after, you know, Ohio state kind of had, had shown a little bit of weakness here and there with like, you know, halfway through the year, we're feeling like, you know what, this might set up pretty well for them to rebound from that loss at Notre Dame, but it wasn't like a season long thing, especially, you know, hype was kind of squashed after that first game of the year um, to a certain extent this year to me, it legitimately feels like this is the best it has set up for them so far with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and maybe the best it ever will set up uh, for him at Michigan. Um, now, we don't know what Ryan Day is going to do at Ohio State. Maybe he stinks and the rivalry turns, or maybe he continues to kind of, uh, you know, be the Ohio State continues to be the thorn in the side. Uh, th- there's a lot of unknowns there, but when you look at the changes that they've made, the, the talent on both sides of the ball, uh, the philosophical evolution of, of sorts, it's hard not to feel cautiously optimistic is a good way to put it, but it's hard not to feel somewhat um, confident that this team's going to be in the conversation throughout the year. I mean, people that say that this is a, you know, an eight or nine win football team. I, I just don't see that. Well, I think you've set the table pretty good, Anthony, because I I'm pretty much with you guys though. I feel bad saying this. I think I'm too young to be a cynic, but at the same time, I'm like cautiously, pessimistic because I yeah, all of my good things in life just set me up for big crushing blows. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously, cautiously yeah. pessimistic heading into no, the season. You, but what are your guys' expectations? Like you, you, you've got your feeling of what the season's going to be like. What are your true expectations for this year when it's all said and done? Like for me, my expectation is, is that this team does win the Big Ten. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm setting myself up just to be crushed. But they have all the pieces. Urban Meyer is finally no longer there. They have the schedule. They have the home games to be able to do it. Even if they slip up against you know one of their tough non-con games against Army or Notre Dame, that doesn't affect them in the Big Ten. It would affect them in the college football playoff race. But my expectation is that they are the best team in the Big Ten, even if they lose one game, maybe to like, you know, one of those ones to like Penn State or to Iowa like they did in 2016, like they should still set themselves up to go to Indy and beat whoever the hell comes out of the West. And I literally mean whoever because that one is wide open. Yeah. Right. I, I'm, we're almost in agreement completely. Uh, I guess as far as expectations, that's kind of an interesting word because I, I expect they'll probably disappoint me again. And by disappoint me, I mean still, you know, a by most other programs' accounts, a very good season. But what they should do, this team should win the Big Ten, just straight up. They have the best roster in the Big Ten. They have a lot of experience. They have probably the best quarterback. They, have, they are loaded with solid skill position players. The defense, I think, will rebuild. Uh... And I know te- people talk about how much better the Big Ten is, and it will be better. But there's a lot of teams that are taking step back, steps backwards and or have major question marks. Ohio State is a first-year coach and a first-year quarterback. Michigan State's def- offense is in shambles and a major question mark. Penn State just lost the best quarterback they've ever had, and the year before they lost maybe the best player they've had in a long time in Saquon Barkley. I think they're going to take a step back. 
Wisconsin is a team that does not match up well with Michigan. They love to run the ball. Michigan stops the run. This should be the year that Michigan not just wins the Big Ten, goes to the college football playoff. And maybe, yeah, you're right, Luke. Maybe they'll slip up one of those times, and I would be that'd be okay. You know, when when Clemson won their first national title, they lost to Nathan Peterman and Pitt at home. Now that happens, but ultimately, we're at a point now. It's year five. This is a sick. This is a a, a pass fail season. You win the Big Ten, you make the playoff. It's a success. Anything besides that, I'm sorry, is a failure. And I think if they can't win win it this year with the question marks that are there. And I know Ohio State is still going to be a juggernaut. They're still going to be a, a fa- fantastic football team. There's a lot of very good teams in the Big Ten. But the way it lines up this year, this should be Michigan's season. And if it's not, it's nothing short of a colossal disappointment. Wow. I don't know. I I feel the same in a lot of ways that both of you do. I'll say this. Um, on one hand, if Michigan wins the Big Ten and doesn't go to the playoff, I'm okay with that because to a certain extent, they will have taken care of their own business there and, and really crossed another narrative off the box. Won the Big Ten. Haven't done that in 15 years. Great. Um, that being said, like if they're, let's just say they slip up somewhere along the way, whether it be Wisconsin or Penn State or Army or Notre Dame, whatever, take your pick. Um, if they're 10-1 and one and then they beat Ohio State and then win the Big Ten, their resume is going to look pretty good unless they got absolutely walloped. Right. Um, because uh, t- let's just put it like, let's call it what it is. The college football playoff is the BCS plus two and they will, they know Michigan puts butts in the seats. And if that resume looks good enough, they're going to be there. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of think that winning the big 10 goes hand in hand with, um, you know, you will be in the college football playoff, but we'll see. There are always extenuating circumstances. Uh, you could lose a game to, uh, say you lose to Notre Dame and you lose to Penn State, but you still win the East. You win the Big Ten. That could happen. You're not going. You're probably not going to the playoff if that happens, but it could still happen. Um, the important distinction to me is this: I think that if you are a Michigan fan, you should expect this team to not compete for a Big Ten title to win a Big Ten title. That's what your expectation should be. On the other hand, I also I, I can totally sympathize and get down with this looming thing that everything sets up great for our team, but they're probably going to disappoint us again. I I think you can like, this is me personally. I expect them to win the big 10. And if they don't do that, Chris, you're absolutely right. This is a pass fail season. That is a failure. If you do not win the big 10 in year five, that is a failure there. The excuses short of a catastrophic injury to, half of your starting lineup and a sinkhole swallows up half of your coaching staff. The ones with the good ideas. Yeah, that, (laughs) that would be an extenuating circumstance. But if if this team doesn't win the big 10, like what, what are we really doing here? You know what I mean? Like what is, where is this thing headed? Um, Cause like I said, I think the town on both sides of the ball is um, terrific. I think, you know, outside of Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, I think, Michigan belongs definitely in that next tier uh, could be the best of that next tier. I'm not sure. Um, all I'll really say is that like, like I said, you know, the, the, if there are fans out there that don't expect, I think you can have the expectation that your team needs to win the big 10, but also, you know, have that feeling in your gut that something will go terribly wrong. And, you know, if things wind up going right, 
that makes it even more fun. Um, we're Detroit sports fans, most of us, so we can sympathize with that. So I, I think that right. if this team does not win the – if you're not an Indy, I, I, it's time to have a conversation about where this thing is going, even if you're sitting there at 10-2 because um, not that Jim Harbaugh is going anywhere, but I think we have to all kind of – if they don't go to Indy and win the Big Ten, I think we all need to kind of have a heart-to-heart with ourselves and maybe reevaluate what our expectations are because if that's okay – then we're going to have to lower the bar, which sucks. And I don't think is necessary because I think they have everything they need to compete. But um, if they don't do that this year, then um, I think it's time for a look inside for, for all of us. Uh, I don't think the port, the, pit, the pitchforks come out, but maybe we, we have to make a change. So. And, and I will say you just to amend slightly what I said, if they were to win the big 10, and miss the playoff, depending on the circumstances. I don't know if I would necessarily say that was a failure because there's a you have to rely on other what other teams do in certain situations, uh, unless you go undefeated, uh, in order for to get in. Like last year, hypothetically, let's say Michigan would have beaten Ohio State, and then Georgia would have held on to beat Alabama uh, in the SEC title game, Michigan probably wouldn't have made the playoff, and that wouldn't have been any fault of their own. Uh, so if something like that happens, I wouldn't call the season a failure, but I just think to fully get the monkey off their back, they have to get into the playoff. For uh, Michigan, when uh, the Hoke and Rich Rod were here, they were too irrelevant to even really joke about. They're nationally relevant again, but there's still a stigma attached to them. We still get the trouble with the snap memes and the JT was short memes and the 62 to 39 jokes in order for those to all go away. Even if it's just temporarily, they got to get to the play. Well, the good news is we've done a lot of suffering since, but Thanksgiving weekend, 2018 seems like a long time ago and we don't have to wait anymore. It's finally back. Good to be back with you boys. Talk a little football here on Brewcast. Chris, where can we find you on Twitter and the social media world, man? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. Do post-game videos after every Detroit Tigers game. I will be doing post-game videos after every Michigan football game this year for the first time ever, so I'm really looking forward to that. On my Twitter page, you'll find the link to my YouTube page. I'm going to be uploading some videos there soon. Um, You can find me on Snapchat. My Snapchat name is the same as my Twitter. And also, if you want to see me on Instagram, that's ChrisCastle95. That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. Anthony, how about you, man? Well, before I tell you where you can find me on social media, I will tell tell you where you can find me on Saturdays in Ann Arbor all season long, starting this Saturday at uh, around 6 p.m. Maze and Brew is partnering with the Cirque Bar in downtown Wyandotte. Or wind out. What the hell am I talking about? That's by me. <laughs> Downtown Ann Arbor. Good Lord. Uh, I should probably edit that out. Um, no, I'm going to leave it because you should see my failures. Uh, Downtown Ann Arbor, Cirque Bar, uh, a couple blocks off of uh, off of Main Street there. Uh, we're going to be there uh, probably about 6 o'clock. Do a little live Q&A roundtable type thing. Myself and Trevor will have Maze and Brew t-shirts there. Uh, $1 for every Blue Moon pour will go to the Chad Tuff Foundation. And... Uh, Tito's Vodka will be out there uh, for the opener for some of the big games. Uh, we're excited to do it. Would love to meet some of you guys. Uh, if you're looking for a place to go 
for the game, looking for a place to watch the game. We won't be there for the game. We'll have to zip over to the stadium. Uh, but either way, uh, stop on by there. And uh, yeah, we'll hope to hope to see you out there. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. You can follow the website on Twitter at Maze and Brew. And uh, yeah, be sure to subscribe, like, leave all the comments uh, on any podcast network you find us on. And um, glad to be back. Another another rousing edition of our great show here. You can find me on Twitter. I got a new Twitter. So if you followed me on the old one, I've got a new one for you. Maybe Anthony will uh, link it when he drops the podcast on Twitter. But I am at Luke Gearty, just my name, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Go shoot me a follow. It's football season. And Twitter during football season is the best place to be. So go shoot me a follow on the new Twitter. And that'll do it for us here today on Brewcast. Remember to subscribe and leave a review for all of our shows and content where you get your podcast by searching Maze of Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of the Maze of Brew Recruiting Podcast.